0: You're very brave putting a Christmas tree up and, and having two young boys in the house because they're not going to be know. completely hyped up by week. And the two. cat climbing, oh no, they're just like... Just so by, Christmas tree, by Christmas Eve you'll be like, oh my God, no, the tree's down, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, we've got no tree, no decorations. <laughs> Christmas is over. So hello, on a frosty morning. We're now it heading. It's It is, isn't it? All misted up windows and uh, and sunshine coming through the clouds. Which I is so heard pretty. on the news earlier actually that um, there might be snow on the way. No. But, ooh, now that is, that's yeah. wishful thinking, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in Scotland, but I did mention snow. <laughs> what treat have we got lined up who's joining us we have
1: got a treat um we've got harriet stokes and freya haynes who are both freelance hairdressers at hunter collective um so we miss national um what was it national freelancing week it was maybe a month or so ago but national we did say so busy there's a week yeah. for everything
0: these there's days what about? A, i know there
1: really is so <laughs> off the back of that and and just because it's a quite an interesting topic um we're talking about freelancing um the pros and
0: cons how they came to freelance um, um it's talked about yeah. a lot isn't it and there's a lot of interest it really is yeah a lot of skepticism i think um yeah. and uh, you know there's lots of different ways of freelancing, so it would be really interesting to hear how and why the girls have taken that route. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's welcome in. Let's meet them.
1: Welcome, ladies.
2: Morning. Hello.
1: Morning. <laughs> so let's start off then, guys. Um, give us a little bit of a background into your hairdressing career so far, and just tell us where you've, where you've come from and how you've come to where, you, where you've got to. So who wants to go first?
2: Harriet. <laughs> yeah, don't mind. Um, Great. Good morning, guys. So I'm Harriet Stokes, and I've been hairdressing for the last ten years. Um, I think going into the eleventh year now. And uh, I started out back in the West Midlands. Um, I moved to London five years ago and um, kind of retrained in colour and made that my focus. And then recently, in the first pa- uh, lockdown, I decided to go freelance. So I've been freelance now for like the last four or five months. So complete kind of change. Um, I'm, I'm an educator as well, so I teach colour. Um, so I'm trying to find the balance between, at the moment, like looking after clients and uh, doing my education. Wow. Asics. Very varied. And Queen of reinvention.
3: <coughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Freya Haynes. Um, my background... Um, well, I grew up in Essex and I've been hairdressing for about 20 years now, actually. Um, I've been in London for about 15, uh, worked in several established London salons and I've been freelance for two years um, at Hunter Collective and um, yeah, really have loved the transition and um, can't wait to tell you more about the pros and cons of being a freelancer in London. Yeah, that's lovely. So so just for anybody who isn't aware of this, we have
0: talked before and actually also spoken with Lacey who owns it, but Hunter Collective is like a, a work base. It's a place that you can you can gather uh, tell us a little bit briefly how it works it's like a club isn't it you join the club and then you get to use the premises and the facilities
2: yeah so it's a a members um members co-working space so you have a membership and you get to come and go and use Hunter Collective to look after your clients um and it works on a kind of hourly basis that you pay to use your chair and you just come and go as you want but myself and Freya are there regularly so we kind of um look after our clients three four days a week and then there's other members that come in like once a week or once a month um based in London based in Liverpool there's uh members from different countries so it's really kind of like open kind of come and do your thing use the space look after your clients and it's really beautifully ran um there's a team there that help support you and do front of house um but essentially everyone's running their own little businesses within a business
1: so it's yeah, it's up to you to organise your clients and yeah, completely um, yeah. That must be great though to get that kind of um, I guess inspiration from all the other stylists that you're working with. If you're getting people coming from goodness knows where to mingling yeah, with definitely. Each
3: other. I definitely found that um when I joined that suddenly I was like, I mean my background was like art and design like before I went into hairdressing and it kind of felt like I was back in like a studio where there was like lots of different creatives working in their own little corners and but we all kind of although it's not a team it still is very probably like more a team, of a team yeah. than it I really ever does, really worked with in a salon yeah it's like we all kind of no one's expecting anything from other people but we yeah. all kind of come together and collaborate and ask questions and borrow color when we need to because oh, you know absolutely. like it happens <laughs> it's like you've got this tube and you know like a client throws a curveball and, um, especially, I mean, I've been there, yeah, let's say for two years and it was quite a small number of members when it started because that was, it was only been open for a year at that point. Um, and in the last two years it's grown so much and like, there's just so many more, um, creatives that have joined and, yeah. um, Yeah, you never stop learning because you know as hairdressers we're visual learners. So like, I mean, I learn. You learn so much just being at the backwash, and suddenly like people are toning different ways, and people are doing different things, and you're like, "Oh, that's a good way of doing it." And it's suddenly like you're 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 educating yourself just by the people you're 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 surrounded with.
1: Yeah, I guess when you're in like a salon, you're all doing it in the same kind of way because you've been trained to do it the same way. Yeah, so yeah, Yeah, I think
3: as well when you get to like a certain level in the salon when you're at the top, like Mm. you're always kind of you're educating below but you're not necessarily getting that input from other people around you so
0: so so let me just stick my my um my oar in here for a second so people will often say to me i mean i think freelance embraces many many ways of working so there isn't Mm -hmm. one way of being freelance so people might be visualizing different things but quite often people say to me oh no i wouldn't work in a shared workspace you know people will just nick my clients and you know you'd be
3: constantly having to How, how would you how would you respond to that comment I think well, especially at Hunter Collective. I don't know other co-working spaces, but it's probably the opposite of that because mm. everyone really respects each other. Um, everyone is an expert in their field, like in their kind of niche of clients, and those clients are they're coming to see that stylist. Yeah. Um, and I think I I don't I don't even think clients would think about going to somebody else unless one had recommended somebody else in the in the space, but. No, there's absolutely none of that. Like it's it's the opposite, really. And like, say say if perhaps I was off or I was ill or something, and I could had to recommend somebody, like it would very much be a part of like, okay, well they're back to you now, Freya. Like that's right. your client. Yeah, so your client. there's definitely none of that. <laughs> good, good.
0: I'm just just pushing the other side, just in case. Yeah, that yeah absolutely.
1: Like that you're all kind of at a stage in your career as well at Hunter Collective where you know you've all got your own clients You don't need to. Yeah, other people's clients I think you're at a established stage.
2: When you go to Hunter Collective, it's really important that you have a clientele. Yeah. So you're going there with a, a full clientele ready to look after your clients because mm-hmm. it's not on street level, they don't take walk in clients, it's appointment okay. only. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of key as well that you already have your clientele, you're established, and like you were saying, you specialise in something. Mm-hmm. Right. So, do you. Why do you
0: think, Lauren mentioned the word taboo in the introduction <laughs> that freelancing is a bit of a taboo, or it is, it is a bit, it's, it, I think one of the issues is that it does embrace so many different ways of working, so I think there's a tendency mm-hmm. to think that freelancing is this, you know, home hairdressing or, or just yeah, um, misunderstood. But why do you think that the industry, the industry, um, salon owners, are so concerned about this interest in freelancing? So (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, So, I think it is a big taboo subject and I think freelance in general is the best kept secret in the industry as salon owners don't want to discuss that. Um, Obviously salon owners, there's, I think there's like 35,000 salons in the UK, I think, I think someone told me that. (laughs) Well we don't know because it's not registered, Uh, but uh, uh, yes, around around that, that, yeah. Um, So obviously there's lots of salon owners that need staff to help run their salons So to then kind of talk about freelance being this um, really beautiful work-life balance and something that you can do for yourself, like people don't talk about it because salons need stylists, if you know what I mean. So um, there's lots of variations of what freelance is. My mum and brother are both freelance back home. Um, They're mobile hairdressers and they have a studio in the house, so people come to them. Then there's obviously session stylists that go out and do uh, photo shoots and TV work and You know education there's there's a wide variety of what freelance means um but it basically essentially is you're your own independent person running your own business um so it's it's what you make it but fred what do you think babes yeah i think i think
3: there's like definitely a space in the industry for for all types of people that work in freelance employed i mean i wouldn't have been in a position to be freelance had i not gained all of the things by being employed and mm-hmm, by yeah. kind of training and learning. But for me personally, um, I just kind of reached like the top of the umbrella and I just kind of was like, I don't really know where to go. Where do I go. go from this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like, to be honest, I started to just feel a bit undervalued as a stylist and I just kind of, I wanted a more work-life balance. Um, I had a bereavement in my family, which kind of totally turned everything on its head and I suddenly just looked at my life differently, and I was like, "Do you know what? I just need to take control of this." And um, it's not for everyone. Like you know, you have to be a driven individual. You have to be successful with your clients. You have to have looked after your clients really well to take that risk. T- to know that they're gonna they're gonna come with you. At least a portion of them are gonna come with you. Um, but I I think this taboo because clients do follow stylists. If you know, clients are although. The salons have built up the kind of marketing and the um the clients initially. If you're a really good stylist that's looking after your clients, they do they fall in love with you as a stylist, and they're mm-hmm. happy to. Move wherever. I mean, like even yeah. when you talk about perhaps moving to another country, like oh, come and see you in like you know, like <laughs> yeah. so. I think that's the taboo bit is like when a stylist, when a good successful stylist leaves a salon, yeah, the clients follow, of and course. it's not stealing clients, and it's not come with me, sneaky, sneaky. It's those clients want that that hairdresser to do their mm. hair, and it's it's kind of it's it's also like a. It's a positive thing that that salon has built up that stylist enough that those clients want to follow them wherever they go whether it be another employed environment or whether it be a freelance environment those the, a lot of those clients will will follow because yeah. Yeah. Th- they want that they want that hairdresser and um and I think that's the main taboo bit because it's business right and yeah. salons are built on the yeah, the footfall of clients the, that come the, through. Yeah, the
0: entity, yeah. yeah. I mean I think in any um, business the business is usually needs to be bigger than any one element of the business if you like. So it's 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 not a problem that's specific to salons. I mean any business will have that problem.
3: Yeah. Um, that
0: if a member of staff leaves, either they potentially take a client with them or they take a, a pool of knowledge with them or an area mm. of expertise. So I suppose as any any business owner you have to be aware of that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm dying to ask as well, because obviously it's been such a turbulent, turbulent year. What what made you make the shift now? Like, what was it four months ago that you decided, right, that's it, I'm just going to go freelance? Because were so you on
2: furlough? Well, I was. That? So yeah. I, at the start of this year, decided to um, make a drastic change. And I was actually going to move to Australia.
3: So, oh, right, I, okay. yeah,
2: so I sat with my previous boss <clears throat> and told her in January that I was leaving in May, June time. Oh, okay, So this was so, right. yes, yeah, so I've been planning it for a while, probably um, a year prior. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I gave my boss six months notice. And as we went into that lockdown, I kind of was, you know, I had a lot of time to sit and think like, what do I really want? And mm-hmm. if I'm honest with you, I, I got to a point where I burnt out um, quite badly at the end of last year, started this year. So I think I was looking to kind of just get away, have complete change, and just recenter myself and mm-hmm. do something for myself. Yeah. Um, but having that time in lockdown obviously made me kind of sit and reflect on my career. Um, and I just realized that I just needed change in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just happened to be freelance. And obviously, with COVID, I couldn't really move countries. No, exactly. <laughs> So yeah. that didn't Australia exactly is that the happen. Question. Yeah, kind of. Um, so I just had to rethink, and actually, it kind of gave me that freedom to be like, okay, hey, what do I want to do? Um, and it was the, the scariest decision because I'm, I'm 25. So mm-hmm. at, at my point in my career, it's like I still have so much learning to do. And yeah. I love having mentors. I love being um, in an environment where I can learn. So I, mm-hmm. I really had to weigh up all the options and just think, you know, what's going to be good for me? But at the point where my kind of burnout had been so hectic, I just thought I really needed a good work life balance. Mm-hmm. So for me, freelance was the answer. But like we were saying a second ago, like Freya was saying, like it's not for everyone. Um, okay. And I, luckily, I'm I'm driven and I can motivate myself, um, and that's really important because obviously you are running a business and there's so many things that you have to do yourself, um, and yeah. that come along with that. So there's admin. Dealing with your clients, organizing yeah, your own schedule—like there's so much to it. Um, but I'm really, really happy that I made the jump, and for me personally, it's worked really, really well. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think that a lot of hairdressers underestimate when they go to freelance the amount of kind of business stuff? I guess you have to. Oh, definitely. Hundred well percent.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was re- I was picking Freya's brains. All of the first (laughs) lockdown. (laughs) So I was sat in lockdown for like three, four months, like planning this hard. Like for me, it was the perfect transition because I had that time to sit and plan. But I didn't really know Freya. And I was like bugging her like, hey, how do I like (laughs) do this? And what bank should I use? And da, 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 da. Um, So Freya was a real, real help for me. But yeah, people do underestimate it because there's so much that goes with being freelance and running your own business. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. I think at the beginning as well it's like it's all so new so like Mm, even something that you know once you it's like once you've done it you're like oh okay that wasn't so difficult you know like your accounts and setting up certain bank accounts and doing your stock take and everything else but there are some great tools on the market now which make things so much easier which is why I also think that freelancing as a not just in hair but in like in many different industries like independent businesses have been able to to pop up and to grow because there are so many great digital tools in order to make your business run really smoothly as opposed to like writing everything down on a like an invoice Mm -hmm. sheet you know (laughs) like emailing people and stuff so um so yeah yeah. I'm I'm always yeah So how
0: has it been then? So Freya, to come to you, because you were kind of established, we went into Mm. lockdown. So what was your experience then of any support that you were given? Because there's been lots of conversation in the industry about, you know, well, of course, everybody will want to go freelance now because, you know, of the stress of working in salons and they've discovered they can, you know, work for themselves. And then equally people say, oh, no, no, you need to be on a staff because then you'll get furloughed and you get looked after in this sort of situation. Mm. What was your experience of coping um, with so
3: you. i was fortunate enough that i had been self-employed long enough that i could uh, claim the government grant but a lot of people um fell through that net in the how industry so a lot of people to have been working um you needed to have submitted at least one tax return right. but because of how tax returns work you know it's, it's you've really got to been working for at least 18 months i would say mm-hmm. to have yeah. kind of 18 months benefited from that yeah yeah so there was a lot of people especially at hunter collective that fell through that that net which was shocking because it was literally just some people got a lot and some people got nothing um and also the difference between if you're a limited company or if you're a sole trader um if you're a limited company you got very little because you're a director of limited company but if you were a sole trader as i am um, you did get the government grant, so it was it was a real range of like here you go, here's of cash, or like you don't get anything. Mm, yeah. Um. Although, um. So I yeah I I was lucky, I was fortunate enough that I did get those grants. Although, they were did they did they come quite late? So if you're really relying on income every week or every month coming through, like you could be stuck, but. Um, I know some of the guys. Uh, um, Hunter Collective had a really were really good at communicating with their clients. Um, and asking them to, um, pay for like up to fifty percent of their service as a voucher. Um. So okay. th- and then when and they'd be redeemable against their service when they did come in and when we reopened. So that just mm-hmm. allowed people to have some income coming in for those those months which you know it, it, it went on didn't it you know <laughs> yeah um yeah. and then <laughs> subsequently bit. there was some support from um out hunter collective's local council so each council had a kind of pot of money that they could um give out to small independent businesses so i know some of the um some of the members at hunter collective also um benefited from that post um post lockdown so yeah. there was help, but it was kind of like, you really had to, like, kind of dig and scratch. And and that was the beauty of the community at Hunter Collective is that some people had a bit more knowledge and they were like, I've just found out about this, like, get involved and everything. And it was very much like a sharing of ideas and sharing yeah. of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's what makes Hunter Collective so lovely in that way in that community is that we're all kind of there to kind of pep each other up and kind of back each other. So... Um, yeah. I think that that connectivity has actually been one of the strengths of
0: hairdressing is that actually whether you're part of a sort of collaborative or a cooperative or whether you're part of a salon independently or or a group actually Mm. the the hairdressing UK and probably worldwide has been really good at sharing and looking out for each other and I've been impressed by um, some people in the industry in particular who've just set up Facebook groups or support Mm. groups and really you know gone for it um and, and yeah. made it their business to help explain what's happening and to be supportive. Which I guess, you know, you, you could probably have bet money on before, but it's actually, has
3: been very uplifting to see that actually happening. Yeah, it
2: has. I think yeah, I really. think as
3: hairdressers we like we'd like to help people, and we like to be in communication with people, don't we? Like with our yeah. clients and things. So yeah, I think a lot, of, if you didn't have that, then you kind of, you felt so disconnected from, from everything. Yeah. It probably just... It yeah. wasn't good for your mental health you know no, yeah, no. absolutely yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and are you having to do a lot of work so Harriet let's um, jump back to you for a minute how how have you been looking after clients confidence and nurturing them to come back So, I know the premises where you work is you know central London in a, in a city centre location if you like and is that has that been quite a big pressure to try and encourage your clients to come back in or have you not you know what, what have been the
2: do you know what I've I've over the last um, five years I've been in London I've been very lucky to grow a really really beautiful loyal clientele base um, and I've I've been lucky that people have have been willing to kind of travel into London still my clients aren't all based in London um, so once we opened again it was kind of I reached out and sent an email to everyone saying like you know how are you feeling how are you feeling in this time like how's is traveling gonna be okay for you and just you know just opening that conversation and letting them know that, you know, I'm human and we can sit and talk about this. Um, but I think the benefit for me was they knew that I was going to a space where I was on my own, in a sense. Like, yeah. we had that, this setup where it was, you know, a, a big, beautiful space where where we sat kind of felt like we were in our own little, little studio. Um, whereas if you kind of, where I previously was, was quite busy and rushed and I think that concerned me with Covid and also I think my clients as well so having that more intimate experience is something that made my my clients feel comfortable yeah
0: and have you seen that broadly so because I think I'm um, also where you the space where you two work has other services beauty and makeup I think is that right um as part of the yeah we are they are
3: open um to other beauty but at the moment it's just just hairdressers yeah right okay yeah so and generally
0: yeah so because i think the confidence is one of the 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 big things is trying Mm. to sort of get that back isn't it Mm. and it must be what would be so could you encapsulate i'm sort of aware of of the time gosh it's gone so fast what would be (laughs) freya what would you be off the top of your head what's the high of of working for yourself in a freelance role and what would be the challenge let's talk about highs and challenges yeah
3: so the high would for me um would definitely be like the work-life balance and just having control of my day um yeah and also really being able to like care for my clients like in the way that I want like I'm with my clients for that whole service and they love that. And I, my, the relationship that I build with my clients has always been a very big part of my service. Um, and so for me, it's really about having a space where I can just like totally care for them and nurture them and make sure that those two or three hours in my chair, they feel like they're just taken away from their busy world and their stressful lives. And mm-hmm. I can just look after them. So I've found a space that I can do that in um and then I guess the lows well there's not very many (laughs) I mean okay you have to do your accounts like but get a good accountant and like get there's some really great um like I use this um bank account called coconut which is all for self-employed people it tells you how much tax you need to pay it's just it's dead simple um stock take actually do you know what stock take I don't like take I do my stock take that's <laughs> right. just I'm like, I never like doing it weekly <laughs> color <soldiers>. orders <laughs> oh, but you know there are some amazing <laughs> there's so many online um platforms to be able to do that and um at a good cost so yeah i mean you have to be organized but it there's really a lot of highs for me yeah um, if you rise and, to the challenge of organization and i think I think planning
0: aheads um the other thing is sort of like it's always the forward marketing when you're a sole trader or work working um in a very small group or as a as a freelance. I think it's that remembering that yeah this week's really busy, but have you actually got next week and the following week and the week after that organized so mm. yeah. yeah,
3: always have a pot of money, do not overspend your tax savings like just always always put that money away, and yeah. then you're not, you're never surprised at the end of the year when you've got a a tax bill and you haven't got money for so that would be my greatest bit of advice
2: (laughs) Harriet what about you what about you Harriet so my highs would be um just having ultimate freedom and being in control like Freya was saying like being able to organize my days um but for me the having that perfect balance between um being able to run my education company looking after clients but also having time to do photo shoots and work with different brands like just being able to be able to do all those things and have a really good balance of mm-hmm. it as well. And also work-life balance.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, those things are really important for me and super high points. Um, I think on the, on the cons or uh, the low side, I'd say figuring out the admin was quite hard for me, like getting my head around all of that um, mm-hmm. as a creative yeah. I'm, I'm, and um, being dyslexic, like be, the academic side of things is my struggle. Um, but I think finding a good system and putting like a structure in place has helped me a lot but that yeah. that for me was the challenge to begin with and just being organised I
1: guess as well once you've done it for one year you know you've done your tax return and all that yeah. kind of stuff like Harry uh, Freya was
3: saying earlier it'll just feel like you know,
1: once you've done it, you'll be all
2: right. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think
3: it's the initial putting systems in place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and then because once you've got it all in place, then you can kind of go right. Okay, I've done that. I just need to re- input information. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding a routine makes it simpler. Definitely. But then you feel like a superhero because you're like, oh my god, I've yeah. done it. Like, yeah, I'm like a, <laughs> I'm a my I'm own business woman You know, like you feel like wow, like you're in. You just you know all the ins and outs, and you just feel like yeah. a superwoman. I think yeah, yeah. it's Do empowering. You, do you do you've
0: probably not yet done this, Harriet? But do you, Freya, do you do your own tax returns then, or do you invest in an accountancy service for that?
3: So I have an accountant, um, and but I uh, with this um, app and bank account, Coconut it basically does it all for you. So you, you, it's it cat. It's a bit like Monzo, but right. for self-employed, um, self-employed businesses. Um, so everything that I spend, um, it goes on that. And then I basically just send that information to my accountant and he inputs into the tax return and then it's done. Yeah. That would be my advice. I think actually having freelanced myself over the years and then sort of set up small businesses
0: and so on, I think the accounts is the thing that often you know is what everyone's most fearful of. But actually yeah. if you tackle it, if you start it right, there's no mm-hmm. need to be. Yeah, but I think, you know, you, you start off, you work for the first year, you don't pay any tax, and then they tell you what you have to pay in six months' time, and you think, oh, that's great, you know, I can earn all that back, ready, and then suddenly,
3: 18 months after you started, you've got a whacking great tax bill, and you're really... yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But you've got things like QuickBooks as well now, haven't yeah. you? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the fear of, like, the unknown, I think, rather yeah. than the, yeah. when you do it, you're like, oh, okay, I just have to pay my tax. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent.
0: I oh, think so much. We've got yet. to. I know. I know. We need to get you back again and have a have another chat. And and when when we don't have to talk virtually, we can actually get you in the kitchen. And, and <laughs> um, that <laughs> feels like
1: some... so so long ago that we were having cups of tea
0: around your kitchen table. I know. I know. Doing a podcast now, eh? but uh, <laughs> I know. If they will, they'll come back. Thank you very much for joining <laughs> Thank us. us. that you. been thanks Really thanks informative. For you both look oh, very good. well. It obviously suits you as a as a lifestyle and.
3: Uh, Good luck to be
0: opening. Thank you very oh, thank much. Thank you
3: so much. Thank <laughs> thank you. Have a good
0: day. And you bye. bye. Well, goodness, that went really fast, but it was super interesting. And thank you to our guests, Freya Haynes and Harriet Stokes, who are freelancers with a passion, obviously making a real success of their lifestyle choices, which is amazing to hear. Thank you for joining yeah. us, girls. Girl power. Yes, <laughs> power to the girls. If you like listening to these podcasts please do jump over to your podcast provider which could be itunes or spotify or others are available and subscribe to the respectfully podcast there are lots of interesting conversations covering all sorts of hairdressing related subjects and importantly if you like what you hear then please do rate and review us as it helps drive us up the charts and put hairdressing podcasts firmly on the radar thank you very much brilliant thanks guys
2: bye Bye.